0: Happy Halloween! I'm v, and I'm joined by Joe. Hello. And Muse. Hello! In this episode, we're going to talk about the long Halloween, the inspiration for the new Matt Reeves film with Robert Pattinson as Batman. And since it is Halloween, we thought it would be a very fitting story for this holiday season. Mm-hmm. So did you guys find it very spooky? Um... <laughs> No. <laughs> Disappointment. I, I was
1: disappointed <laughs> this is not a Halloween story despite the fact that it starts in Halloween and ends at Halloween. This is not what I was expecting out the bat because uh, at the, I meant out the gate. <laughs> <laughs> um, out the gate. I knew nothing about this, I just knew it was one of the best Batman stories. A uh, former co-worker of mine said it was great, and I thought it had to do with potentially Scarecrow or the other rogues.
2: <laughs> you had more information than I did, because I also d- had no idea what this was about. I knew the trailer uh, for the Batman movie coming out was based off of The Long Halloween. I was like, oh, I've heard this story a bunch of times. I should probably pick it up eventually. And all I knew about it was that all the rogues, for the most part, made an appearance. Yeah. Each rogue got a highlight.
0: Yeah. Right. I think this is a really classic sort of take on Batman. It does change a few things from what we currently have as the canon. It's a Jeff Loeb story, though. And so it is a fast paced sort of standard fare story with a few twists. His version is a very young Batman, which we've been told is going to be the movie as well.
2: Yeah, in the movie, it's his second year as Batman.
0: But this has a very different taste than Mm -hmm. the Dark Knight trilogy. Like, if you've watched Christian Bale's version of the young Batman, making friends with Harvey Dent and Commissioner Gordon and all that stuff, this is definitely a different sort of world. It's still got Falcone and Maroney duking it out and all of the rogues sort of coming into play slowly as, mm-hmm. like, the newer pieces on the chessboard before the old guard gets phased out. So we're going to see, like, some really standard, like, setup for the Jephlo sort of world and get a more balanced look at Gotham as a whole mm-hmm. as, like, the pieces are set into place. So the art is really rough, the story is really rough, but it, it has a lot to it. It is not very spooky, in my opinion.
2: No. And I'm also shocked about how new the story still is, because it was only from 1996 to 1997. It was only 13 issues.
0: Right. All written by Jeff Loeb, all drawn by Tim Sale.
2: Yeah. Tim Sale, he's definitely an acquired taste. I've seen his art for um, Superman for all seasons, and I saw his art with Darwin Cook when they both did a couple issues of the Superman Confidential miniseries. Each and every time, it's just like, eh. I don't know. It's yeah. it's the line art for me.
1: Yeah, it really is the line art. The biggest issue I had with his art was the human characters a lot of the times. The proportions seemed weird. It's not just that. like Body proportions are sometimes kind of weird at times as well. But other than that, I think a lot of his placement for things artistic metaphors that he does incorporate into the series were great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think the stylization on that was impeccable. Batman's spooky shadowy looking cape I did enjoy. <laughs> 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 really is hard to kind of get used to as you're reading through it.
0: Yeah, he definitely has like a lot more style than he has technical prowess mm-hmm. in terms of proportions. Yeah, there's some really like chaotic elements to his art. And I have to say, like, in recent years, when I've seen more of his watercolor stuff, I've loved it. Like, it it fits with watercolor because it's rough, it's loose. It's been a while. He's had time to develop, obviously. But he definitely has this enthusiasm to it that I think you kind of... Maybe you don't, but I sort of get used to it as it goes on. I become a little bit less, like repulsed yeah Yeah. i think
2: after the first two or three issues of it i was used to it because again like i'm used to his art from the superman stuff that i read of his i'm used to the main character having a buzz light your head where it's like this (laughs) very like kind of like broad chin and joker necessarily look like they have a neck yeah that was a thing
0: joker's face man yeah yeah, I, I mean, you're right that there is this weird sort of flattening to everybody's faces. I do weirdly like it, though, on Ivy. He drew Poison Ivy with this yeah. weird, very stylized, almost, you know, the Batman series where they would draw Ivy as, like, she had this, like, forehead that would sink into her nose.
2: Right, back in uh, 2004, 2005-ish.
0: Cyclopedic memory. Um, but yeah exactly like she this one though like her her hair as like vines and just taking up an entire room it it was so chaotic I've never seen her that chaotic she's just amazing um and they didn't make her pretty necessarily he just definitely made her like a plant hybrid thing Mm -hmm. and I thought that was extremely cool so, yes, we're, we're, like, picking out a bunch of random stuff. Do we want to try to give, like, a book-by-book book synopsis?
2: Yeah, sure, because I feel like, to me, it fell very quick.
0: Oh, it was book. so fast-paced. Like, mm-hmm. you do not get bored. And plus the mystery element to it. Like, yeah. <laughs> comparing it, I know this isn't fair. It's totally not fair, but I'm going to do it. If you were to compare this whole mini series to, say, our recent event with, with the Joker War, mm-hmm. how would you compare it
2: Uh, I feel like it's tough because it's completely different situations where one's new roguish, new Batman, and this one, like, Batman's already existing for quite a while. He has the whole family with him and everything.
0: It's always going to be a little apples to oranges, but at the same time, it's like, okay, so this one had all the rogues, but not the family. That one had all the family, but not the rogues.
2: I would still go with Joker War, honestly. Really? Really? I think I would still go with Joker War just because as much as, like, the murder mystery of Long Halloween kept me in, it wasn't enough for me to, like, fully enjoy it. Like, I'm not saying I I hated this or anything like that, don't get me wrong, like, I enjoyed it, I thought it was a good story, it was a nice AU type of situation, but I would not put this as one of the top Batman stories, as I've seen, because it just kind of feels like a comic version of The Godfather.
0: Oh, right. Before we get into that, Muse, did you want to say anything about...
1: Ugh, it's it's really hard. Like Joe said, it's like kind of putting apples against oranges, because with Joker War, it's like in current continuity. So there's a lot of pre-existing expectations put on the character, and the fact that he's kind of picking the pieces up from Tom King's run, Mm -hmm. and he's really having to fall in line with a lot of what DC wants because of eventual stuff for the character that's going to be important, while Long Halloween definitely took all the liberties that they could. Like, Mm -hmm. it was- Jeff Loeb, I think, really knocked it out of the park. I feel a lot more of the plot threads started out early and really moved its way through this series as it continued to build, as it continued to come to light with all of these murders, but Mm -hmm. the ending just kind of flopped over.
0: I'm with you on the ending. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and I felt Joker War definitely had a bit better of an ending. There was definitely more closure Mm -hmm. to it, but Mm -hmm. overall as a story, I'm giving it to Long Halloween. Story-wise, I felt like this accomplished everything that it set out to do. And it gave us a really good murder mystery story from start to finish. Mm-hmm. But the ending was like a weird bunch of knots just tied and tangled together in just a little bit of confusion. But I think that's where he was trying to go with.
0: And I'm going to agree with Muse on this one, Joe. Sorry.
1: That's
0: okay. <laughs> I, I love Tinian. But, like, this, we've talked about this on this podcast before how we think that the extended universe of Batman has become more of a um, detriment to, the, to the, the main story than an asset because of the lack of communication between all the authors mm-hmm. and just all of the expectations put on by these like summits, You know, these bat family summits where people are like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. This is what you're allowed to do. This is what we're trying to accomplish. And it doesn't leave a lot of room for story or the freedom to create a universe where you can control all the elements like if you're writing Nightwing right now (laughs) good luck because you have to fit that into somebody else's vision right? and it doesn't leave you a lot of room for your own like wild story like Nightwing can't just take off to Mars right now you know what I mean Mm -hmm. he's got other stuff to do that someone else decided so we've had former Batgirl writers uh, talk about this we've had different individuals kind of throwing up their hands and saying, you know, well, this is what I was allowed to do, and it just seems like writers aren't given this kind of freedom anymore to just run with stuff, except for, like, Sean Gordon Murphy, Yeah, you know?
2: He seems to be in, like, Jeff Loeb's case, because it was, like, just a whole straight, like, this is a story I want to tell, can you please approve it, and that's what they did, and I don't know if it, it was another one of those, like, killing joke situations where they took parts of the story and made it canon.
1: What story did he write?
2: He's been writing the Batman White Knight series. Oh,
1: yes, 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 yes. Okay, That's that makes... an extreme AU. It's yeah. so oh, different. Yeah. And
2: it's so good.
1: To be honest, I feel a lot of these alternate universes, alternate storytellings for stories, or people going back to, like, year one Batman and stuff like that, those stories are some of the best because they mm-hmm. don't have to deal with continuity, mm-hmm. and they can really just give you a good compelling story i think that's one of the reasons i liked Runaways so much early on was because yeah they were within marvel continuity but they were on the west coast there's not much west coast superheroes
2: yeah in the marvel universe
1: (laughs) and they had some interactions with like captain america came in and wolverine came in very mildly and it was mostly about these kids But later on, as they started to integrate with more Marvel continuity, they had to start conforming to things.
0: Yeah, it's like as soon as you get, you know, somewhat successful, the suits take over. Yeah, that's kind of why I feel like this is a bad compromise for DC. (laughs) Like, it's insufficient. They're saying, yes, we can have some creativity from the creators all on their own, but it has to be out of continuity. If you want to be in continuity, you have to kind of conform to some really weird mandates.
2: Yeah, but also like with the ones that are it's out of continuity, it gets like it's better for the writer because they're still getting to tell their story. And for DC, it's okay because they don't have to have their story try to conflict with their main vision of like how they want the universe to go. like Tom King's uh, Superman up in the Sky miniseries or like any of the black label stuff that they've been trying to push, like the Wonder Woman Dead Earth.
1: Or three jokers.
2: Yeah, or three jokers.
0: My point is that it does kind of put the main continuity to disadvantage, though, because now we're comparing it to the main continuity, which is bland Mm -hmm. and uneventful. And even when events do happen, usually they (laughs) seem to be for the worse.
2: Yeah, especially as of right now. And it's been really tough, too, because now we're on, what, year four since uh, Rebirth started? Yep and it still feels like it's trying to patch up what Rebirth was trying to patch up, which was the new 52. Mm -hmm. Especially now with this death metal crisis going on right now, which is supposed to reset everything. And then we have this temporary quote unquote, two month event of future state next year.
1: Yeah. Well, Marvel's over here having issues with X of Swords that is confusing as all get out.
2: Yeah, but Marvel, I feel like, has more miniseries usually than DC does.
0: Marvel does seem a bit more chaotic. When they have events, there are events, but it does feel like there's a lot more opportunities to opt out. Probably Mm -hmm. because Marvel has infinite universes, but DC always insists on having limited ever since the New 52. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. They're like even mapped out.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's one of DC's biggest drawbacks: is they kind of don't deal with the multiverses anymore. Like Marvel's still kind of doing,
0: but now we have the negative multiverse, and then we have yeah,
2: and we're getting uh, the mini source series of that too. But I will say that is a main comment I've seen a lot of on like Twitter and Tumblr and Instagram and stuff, where it's like people would love to see more, even like just miniseries of the different Earths. I think during totally. New Fifty Two, they actually had a comic series for Earth Two.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Multiversity was a was a miniseries thing that was going around in, like, 2014 or 2016. Yeah, I think oh, Multiversity yeah.
1: was their way of trying to explain the multiverses because um, it was so ridiculous. It was, like, not enough,
0: in my opinion. I feel like they kind of wanted to explore it more, but it didn't take off. Yeah. Like, I would love to explore that, what was it, uh, Universe 9, where everyone's gender-swapped? Eleven. Eleven and then you have negative 11 which is seems really boring I'll be honest
2: yeah but even like I would love to see more of Earth 3 with the crime syndicate
0: yeah mhm that would take creativity though joe like how are you going to find a writer <laughs> with creativity at this time of the Year. Oh it's tough
2: too also (laughs) because with the death metal event and Year of the Villain where a lot of these worlds in the multiverse were getting destroyed from Perpetua. Mm -hmm. So now they only have like a small handful left of these worlds until after this event and we don't know what's going to become of the universe after that. And
0: can I say how annoying that was because it was like I'm watching all of these like universes die and it's like we barely got any time in the Gaslight universe don't kill it. Uh.
1: Also another incredible story. Yeah. That yeah. is like one of my favorites. We need more content like this or explore these awesome worlds that you've already created AUs for. Mm-hmm. Dude,
0: I would totally love to do an episode focusing on the multiverse and all We can. That. I've got notes. So before we get into this, I just want to realign ourselves with the premise here, which is Jeff Loeb is an incredibly creative writer. Yeah. Yep. Um, this is favorites. probably not the best version because as Joe has said, and let's just get into this before we start, it's a little bit racist. I wouldn't even well, I don't it's know. It's not ideas. like harshly racist, like it's not like anti any race. It's just like I don't know anyone from these races, but I've seen them on TV.
1: Mm. Yeah, he takes a lot of the stereotypes of them.
2: I don't know. the, the stereotypes of the mobsters in Gotham have always been there.
1: Th- that's true.
2: I don't really blame him for that. It's well... just very <laughs> cut and paste from a very amazing movie.
0: Yeah. Or two. Or three. <laughs> or several franchises. But here's the thing. Like, you can say, oh, you know, we've had the mob in Gotham, and that's one thing. But then you have, on the day of my nephew's wedding, and you have, like, the... That's what I'm saying. blue... <laughs> You have a bunch of these scenes that are just like straight up, like verbatim, practically of like, I saw this movie, that's what Italians do. They like to die in gardens, you know, like really weird stuff, but yeah, they, they do get everyone. They get the Italians, they get the Irish. Yep. And that British
2: butler, I mean, what
0: was up with that? Listen, he didn't say anything British, okay? <laughs> he he stayed his own person, and I appreciate that about Alfred. He didn't walk them in and go, Pip pip cheerio, would you like some tea? Like everyone else in this freaking series. <laughs> okay, so aside from this and those little, like, obvious lifts from very popular franchises... Jeff Loeb has been one of our great ensemble writers for the DC Universe. He has written Catwoman and Riddler's wonderful and chaotic team up in Catwoman: One in Rome. Mm-hmm. He wrote Batman Hush.
2: He wrote mine and Muse's favorite series, Superman Batman. Yep. Yes. He also one of the main writers on the Superman comics in the nineties to early two thousands. Oh
0: really? Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. Oh man. Let's get into issue number one. Carmine Falcone hosts a wedding for his nephew, who is going to turn on the family, Goodfellow style. But he somehow talks him out of it by convincing him he will pay for his wedding. <laughs> <laughs> so he's easy to bribe. He has this wedding. Bruce Wayne is there. They try to have a business suite meeting where Falcone is trying to get Bruce to work with him. Selina shows up as Catwoman. She tries to steal from Carmine. And then she's apprehended and chased by Batman.
2: Which I believe is one of the scenes that we saw in the Batman trailer.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And their banter is great. If they follow this banter in the film, I'm going to be so on board. <laughs> There's some really funny lines between the two of them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Anyways, she gets away. Gordon and Harvey make a pact with Batman to bring down Carmine. Falcone influences Wayne's board members. Batman threatens Wayne's bank chief to resign. Which ends up putting Bruce in charge. Which I thought was
2: so funny. (laughs) Because, like, people in Gotham know the mob. They know they have their hands in everything. Mm -hmm. Falcone's name is in every single household. Why is it these board members are like I don't know? I feel like we can work with Falcone. I'm wearing his imported shoes right now, and I gotta tell you, they're comfortable.
0: Well, I think also there's that fear of turning on someone who owns the city. I mean, <laughs> there's yeah, a little yeah. of that.
2: <laughs> there's that too, but also I'm I was confused a bit with like Bruce's position with Wayne Enterprises in this case, because I know normally he's like CEO of Wayne Enterprises, right? Mm-hmm. So, what position was he in before becoming, like, the head bank chief, whatever the title was called?
0: Well, like, the bank doesn't have anything to do with Wayne Enterprises, right? But like, why is he there? He must be a shareholder.
2: But he takes the guy's position of bank chief.
0: He must have, like, won some vote.
2: Maybe. Or...
0: Yeah, who knows what shady things Bruce is doing behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. So now we have a problem. The bank chief is murdered, and Carmine's nephew Johnny, Johnny, the snitch, <laughs> he—they were both murdered uh, using a baby bottle nipple as a yep. silencer on the gun. And they're just like, "Wow, he's so smart." And I'm like, is, "Would that work?"
2: <laughs> I—you I mean I couldn't test out the theory?
0: <laughs> I like that wouldn't work. <laughs> I don't think they're they're really good at, like, absorbing sound. <laughs> <laughs> he's a bottle nipple. And Catwoman agrees to help Batman get Falcone. And Batman's kind of like, what's in it for you? And she's just like, mm. <laughs> she's like, you might need to give me a favor someday. And he's like, well, I'm not making any promises.
2: <laughs> but also, like, <laughs> Tim Sale, Jeff Loeb, what did you do to Catwoman?
1: Yeah...
0: Oh, it's this part of the show. Oh, I was going to yes. ask,
1: like, what is your opinion I on this I was surprised
2: you didn't <laughs> bring this up immediately.
1: This, I'm sorry. I'm just so
0: used to this version of Catwoman. It definitely hurt to read it the first time, and then it hurt to see it, uh, the when in Rome Catwoman, because it's also so bad.
2: Mm-hmm. The first thing I noticed was the whiskers on the mask. Yep. And I was like, okay, that's that's a bit disturbing. And then I saw this long thing coming out from her back. I was like, "Oh, so she, it's the Catwoman that wears her whip around her waist, and then it nope. kind of looks like a tail." Nope.
0: Cats nope. have tails. That's that's how uh, Tim Sale interprets it.
1: She's like in this big frompy purple onesie. Yeah, it doesn't look good. With no these thought knee the high boots and these ridiculous gloves with bracelets on them because she's a cat burglar yep. and she's yep. got claws. Like,
2: I will say the design of Catwoman reminded me a little bit of Frank Miller's uh, art style.
0: Yeah, but you're right, yeah. No, she is chaotic. I feel like this is gonna be a segment for forever on our show, <laughs> it's called, what does V think about Catwoman's horrible new design?
1: <laughs> At least well, we can all agree on this. Yeah, yeah.
0: It it was. It's chaotic. She has these big old ears that just do not look good. Uh-huh. She's got that forehead turning into the nose thing, you yeah. know. Yeah. But everyone has it, so I can't even just be like, "Wow, he's bullying Catwoman." It's kind of like everyone's a monster, and she's another monster. But
2: it's also like the costume looks two sizes too big on her.
0: Yep. It, it does. It does look like she she found a much larger woman's outfit and just mm-hmm. kind of snuck into it.
1: Her body structure as well. Like you can see all of her abs and they just look overly circular. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the rest of her just looks frumpy and her chest and her abs are like perfectly skin tight.
0: So Listen. much you can
1: see the pure ab definition. Like. Some
0: artists will hire a model to pose for them, and Tim Sale, no, he's a purist, he doesn't <laughs> do that. I've always said this, but you can kind of tell what a Catwoman artist's like priorities are in a woman by how they draw her outfit. Mm. Like purple-suited Catwoman, I was looking at that the other day, and just like how completely skin-tight it is to her under-boobs, you know? But it's basically body paint. And like some people, you know, that's how they draw them. And they sometimes they draw her with a big butt and big boobs. I was looking at Otto Schmidt's art the other day, his new redesign, and holy cow! Like she has no boobs, you know. Mhm. She's gotten them way shrunk down. No fan service, but it's still skin tight, you know. Yeah. And we still get to see that she doesn't have as big of a butt. She's kind of more streamlined and younger looking. Everybody does draw Catwoman kind of in their own specs. So this one was interesting because you're looking and you're like, he's just going as fast as he can. He's like, boots have wrinkles, like, yeah, oh, but not that many wrinkles.
1: <laughs>
0: but, um, you know, it is what it is. I'm not, I'm not personally hurt is what I'm saying. It wouldn't fly today, no. but no. <laughs> anyways, just to finish up the first issue, Batman and Harvey find Falcone's unlaundered money and burn it. That was a very big scene.
2: Yeah, that was impressive. He had all this unlaundered money that he needed to put somewhere.
0: Do you think this is kind of what they were going for in The Dark Knight?
2: Oh, with the Joker? yeah. Yeah. Possibly, yeah.
0: So just to keep track, what we're doing right now is Batman is teaming up with the Commissioner and Harvey Dent. And we know that right now they consider themselves like the Three Musketeers, right? Yeah. They're stopping crime together. They're going off book. So basically, Bruce Wayne has managed to keep Falcone's money out of the bank. So Falcone has all this money sitting in a warehouse. So then when they set it on fire, they've crippled his organization. So they think. It's a little shady. They Mm -hmm. are kind of becoming their own crime mob to stop him.
2: Or the untouchables.
0: Yeah, it's just any vigilante group, basically. (laughs) They're like sort of going a little bit into the dark. Then we get Halloween nights. Bomb is delivered to Harvey, and his adorable wife Gilda, and it goes off, and you like hear them like, "Oh, honey, here's the mail. Oh, what's that? It just came an hour ago." Boom! <laughs> they should be dead. <laughs> they
2: are yeah. fine. I thought that was going to be Harvey's two-face
1: origin, right? Wouldn't that the
0: be
2: back?
1: great? Same
0: lost his wife the trauma drives him mad
1: yeah that's exactly what i thought i thought his Mm -hmm. wife died and he managed to survive but only half of him would have gotten burned yeah it also reminded me of the dark knight
0: when he's just like rachel yeah you know that's that's (laughs) the the moment he goes crazy because she was in love with him Mm -hmm. but no they're fine That's so irritating. (laughs) It really is. The
2: wife ends up in the hospital, so I guess she took the most of the explosion.
0: But she's also fine. Like, she has no damage. No physical damage at all. She doesn't even have singed hair.
2: It just makes you wonder what type of bomb this was because the house was destroyed.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was, like, obliterated. (laughs) And
2: they're standing in the doorway with this box.
0: Yeah, it's not like the doorway protected them because the box is in the doorway with them. (laughs) I feel like they could have written this very easily in a different way that would have let them survive if you wanted it to. Could have this guy go, ah, delivery, while they're talking. He's like, thanks. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, honey, I haven't seen you in days. And he's like, baby, tonight's all yours. And he just chucks the package (laughs) out into the other room.
2: (laughs) I love that version. Can we have that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) So, yeah, that's how they end it. That's the cliffhanger. It's like, oh, shoot, they're dead. Mm -hmm. So the next one, of course, is a new holiday. It's Thanksgiving. And we get Bruce and Gordon interrogating Mickey the Mink (laughs) Sullivan of the Irish, who's their main suspect for the murder of Harvey and Gilda. And we have, like, his whole team there. (laughs) A bunch of little Irishmen with their, like, very particular, like, accent written out sort of phonetically. They are infiltrated by Harvey Dent, who puts on a mask of one of their friends, and he's so skinny, <laughs> and Harvey Dent is not. So I don't know how that mask did that. <laughs> but with the magic of rough drawing, we just kind of go with it. <laughs> they basically get into the Irish gang to try to convince them to confess, and they do confess, but they don't give up their boss, who people believe is uh, Falcone. Yeah. So they think it's a a revenge killing because of uh, the Falcone's dead nephew, however, they all just say, yep, it was me, I did it, it's fine. He even mentions how Batman caught him when he tried to run away, he fell down a hole where Solomon Grundy beat him up, and Batman very politely tries to get him away from Solomon Grundy. And, you know, just like, this was an accident. I'm trying to leave. And Solomon Grundy tries to fight him. And he has to fight Solomon Grundy. You can tell he feels really bad about it. He doesn't want to fight him. These guys meet up about it. They're talking about the Irish gang, how they can't get to them, how they never will. It's very hopeless. There's a moment of Thanksgiving where Bruce basically tells us how they all spent their Thanksgiving. Commissioner Gordon was late. So his wife left the dinner out. Harvey's fine. (laughs) No injuries at all. He goes to be with his wife in the hospital on Thanksgiving, and mm-hmm. she's pretty much unconscious still. And then of course Bruce Wayne, he spent it with a super-duper good friend. <laughs> he made a beautiful Thanksgiving plate and took it to Solomon Grundy down in yeah. the sewers. <laughs> it was very touching. I think it's that save the cat moment where we're reminded, you know, for all of his scariness, Bruce Wayne, Batman, really does care about the least of yeah. Gotham citizens. Mm-hmm. So that kind of gives us this sweet moment, and we're like, okay, we're done. Nope, Irish gang gets murdered. We're not sure who did it. Probably be thinking, oh, I thought it was Harvey Dent, right? Same. Who else is so angry and so unhinged? Now we're going to get into the wackiness. So the next holiday is obviously Christmas Eve. Joker (laughs) goes full cringe.
2: Oh, man. (laughs) That was was a shock.
0: (laughs) How did you feel about Joker's uh, depiction here?
2: Um, it had a more cartoonish killing joke vibe in terms yeah. of the elongated face. <laughs> this is also like another one of the many references that Jeff Loeb puts into this story. Because as Joker is doing his thing, he is reciting the Grinch. Yes,
0: yeah, he is. but he's sort of like fitting it into that poem about Santa Claus too. Mm-hmm. He's mostly teeth, a very toothy man, (laughs) and his teeth are each half the size of his face. So (laughs) it's definitely one of the things I associate with Tim Sale. He's running around, just absolutely no care in the world. He's not hiding. He's in plain sight, like robbing people on Christmas Eve. He didn't kill the family he robbed initially, which is sort of not his norm. He kills a lot of people in this and he seems to be extremely angry that there's a serial killer running around named Holiday who's been <laughs> killing going people fall on holidays
2: on western
0: yeah he gets real feral he's like oh yeah this town ain't big enough for the two of us so he decides he's going to play detective he's going to track down the holiday and he's going to kill him
2: right because by that that point now he's being known as the holiday killer
0: I got to say, I like this depiction of the Joker, though. He's absolutely bonkers, but he's having a great time. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, yeah. He's so jealous.
0: And his plan, of course, is so over the top, it could never work. But that's just the Joker. So, basically, Bat and Gordon, they get together. They go to talk to Calendar Man. They're like, we need some insight on this killer. You like calendars. He likes calendars. (laughs) What can you tell us? And he's like oh, she's going to strike tomorrow on Christmas. And they're like, she or he. They're like, well, (laughs) you're useless to us. Get out of here. So they leave. Salvatore Moroni tells one of his men he wants someone spying on Dent because he thinks that he killed Johnny Vitti. They are interrupted by Joker poisoning the guy because he believes that Moroni is holiday. And he Mm -hmm. just sits there, threatens him for a little bit. Nothing comes of it. They put the dead guy in the trunk and they're just like, wow, I put on a few pounds. Oh, that'll help him sink in the river. <laughs> and then Batman lands on the trunk and just glares at them. I know! <laughs> it's so funny. I love when Batman just shows up and he just glares. and Everyone in the room is just like, ah. <gasps> <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, Joker goes on his, his merry way. Harvey gets his wife a house. He says they can't afford. He's so happy to have her, that she's alive. Here's the thing with her. her. Her motivation thus far has been she wants intimate time with her husband.
2: Right.
0: At this point, he carries her over the threshold. She's like, oh, darling. She throws herself at him. He's like you need to rest you need to be in your wheelchair she's like what do doctors know anyways you're like "Ah, she's one of those and then she's (laughs) like (laughs) carries her over the threshold and she's like do you want to try for kids again i think it's time we went upstairs and he just looks around he sees dirty footprints and he goes oh uh yeah like uh second chances let's talk about later why don't you go upstairs ahead of me and so he gets rid of her he goes into the living room where he's already got his Christmas tree set up. It's like, kudos. You just bought a house. Yeah. You got the Christmas decorations up. You are a real go-getter. And there's, of course, the Grinch <laughs> just sitting there. And he thinks what I think. 2 faces stone-cold killer. Mm-hmm. Dent gives him this look like, I freaking will kill you. Get out of my house. And they kind of have this exchange. And I think Joker's pretty satisfied that he's not the killer yeah because he scampers right off
2: just gives him the same warning that he gave Moroni of like I'm the only homicidal maniac in Gotham
0: <laughs> I'm the psycho you're <laughs> the law man I just want to get that straight it's very cute so he does it he gets out of there he goes over to Falcone because he's kind of the last person on the list and he's like look I can't figure it out here's my Hail Mary if you don't figure out who it is, I'm gonna kill everyone on Christmas. <laughs> so you New have Year's. or New Year's. Yeah, that makes more sense. He's like, you have to use your resources to find him. So now Falcone's doubly motivated. He's already wants to find this guy, but now he's kinda like, Great, that clown is harassing me. In the meantime, Holiday kills Milos. He's Falcone's personal guard up to that point. So he leaves him two bullets and a snow globe at the scene. And of course there are all these Joker cards because it's Falcone's personal guard tried to kill the Joker <laughs> and Joker threw some cards at him to distract him, which seems like a Hail Mary to me, but like Joker is not really thinking things through. No. No. He plays to his strengths, you know? Mm-hmm. So just chaos and we see Batman coming up on all these cards, a dead man with some bullets, and he's like, oh the Joker. <laughs> See how much fun it is when Batman doesn't have tech to help him? (laughs) Oh, yeah.
2: Well, we actually get, like, Detective Batman.
1: So many red herrings.
2: Ugh, it's so much better than, like, him just scanning it with his cowl for fingerprints and whatnot.
1: Yeah, It's, it's really satisfying to actually have a Batman that's uncertain and has multiple suspects... Uh, speaking of that death scene, I think that was like the first time that I really actually noticed a consistent pattern with the killings of Holiday with this, usually I think it's about, I think it's nine panels of this black and white perspective. Usually you don't, you don't see the killer, kind of reminds me of like a silent film. Like this is just happening so quickly. Most of these murders are just so sudden. Just actually seeing the murder happen kind of like in slow-mo in silence. As they're uh, killing their victim as we said before the pacing of these is very fast paced mm-hmm. but this this is when it slows down yeah it doesn't hit a brick wall but you start noticing the brakes mm-hmm. and it, it feels like you're just kind of driving past watching this happen right. and then the car just keeps zipping by
0: is it only me or was it did it feel like Batman's cape got spookier and spookier as it went on
1: yeah, and yeah. I love it. It's like as cape. he
0: becomes more desperate, his his cape starts to grow <gasps> tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> so now issue number four is New Year's Eve. Joker has to make good on his promise to Falcone, right?
2: Of <laughs> killing everyone in Gotham.
0: <laughs> Basically. He kills this flight crew, and he attempts to drop Joker gas on people in Gotham Square at midnight.
2: I love the little talents that we figure out about the rogues. It's like, oh... Joker can also fly a plane.
0: But he's really out there in this. He's very wacky. He's just like, oh, I went to all the trouble of stealing this. They could have at least given me a good one. Why is this plane (laughs) acting so weird? He turns around, oh, I'm carrying extra weight. Like, not at all bothered that Batman's just on his plane. He's basically, he's still a crop duster. So he's, like, getting ready. Batman's like, what are you doing, Joker? And Joker's just like, you should be thanking me. I'm going to kill the holiday killer for you. And he's just like... By gassing everyone in Gotham Square? He's like, yeah, why not? He's bound to be there. <laughs> She's like, that's insane. And he's like, oh my gosh, did you just find that out, like right now, that I'm crazy?
1: <laughs> I really enjoy this version of Joker. He's definitely more on that comedian side. Yeah, he's jokey.
2: Jeff Loeb has a good voice for him. And this is a Joker that you actually see in the Emperor Joker event that Jeff Loeb helped write mm. in the early 2000s as well.
0: I just love that Joker, when he's puckish, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's a little puckish character of just chaos and mirth and feels like he doesn't subscribe to any of the rules. When you have like this, <laughs> the serious planning Joker, I kind of lose it. Yeah. It, it just yeah. doesn't fit anymore. No. Touch Spitlick in terms of just the amount of yeah. craziness. Yeah. Also one of the reasons why I don't like the realism coming into play in Batman's universe because this character, he's like a Looney Tunes crazy. If you give him like an actual mental illness, it becomes very sad and very dark. Mm -hmm. But when he's just this whimsical, chaotic, fae-like creature, you don't like (laughs) feel bad. You're just like, this is entertaining to watch him be a cheesy bad guy and Batman being the cheesy hero, Mm
1: you
0: know? So Batman basically... He yanks Joker out. Joker is not even bothered that Batman stopped his plan. But he scoops him out, jumps onto this big clock tower. Very convenient. <laughs> so Harvey was given information tying Carmine Falcone to Bruce Wayne by the obvious plant. Just this, like, mouseish guy who's like, Um, oh, Mr.
1: Dent, would you like to see
0: what I found? <laughs> and Mr. Dent is like, oh, yeah. Yes, my sweet little innocent cherubim give it to me and he gives it to him and it's just like oh Bruce Wayne is guilty of associating with Falcone he's like oh no we trusted the rich guy how could (laughs) I should have known rich people (laughs) so he goes to Bruce's house and he's just like look at this dump and and Commissioner Gordon's like oh you haven't been to Bruce Wayne's manor before first time (laughs) And he's like, he invited me to his Halloween party, but I don't like dressing up. Not even for millionaires. I was like,
2: when did all of a sudden Harvey Dent become Oliver Queen? <laughs> and his for the
0: rich? I'm trying to remember if I'm out of order. Wayne is giving information. Oh, no, not yet. Sorry. Haha. Yeah. Holiday kills Carmine Falcone's trusted son, Alberto, on their boat close to midnight, mm-hmm. leaving champagne and confetti. So, Alberto was not involved in the business. He's kind of like the unlucky son that just has to stand next to his father and not be part of anything. He's kind of wimpy, and he falls off the boat, and his, his aunt finds him. And I I always felt for Carmine Falcone because he has, he has morals. He has mm-hmm. a code of honor that he's always <laughs> stuck to that Moroni honestly doesn't have. No. Like, Falcone always had... Like, he'll work with the good guys if he has a good reason in his code. It makes people nicer to deal with when you can predict how they're going to behave. So I've always had a soft spot for him as far as, like, crime families go in Gotham. So Mm -hmm. having him lose his son, I think he's lost his son a few different ways over the years. And it's always hard to watch. So I felt bad. We've got a broken Falcone, and now Bruce is on the chopping block. So it's Valentine's Day. This is when Jim and Harvey show up and have that conversation at the mansion. But they're like, "Alfred, where is he?" And he's like, "Well, it is Valentine's Day, and I don't know if you know this, but Bruce Wayne sort of has a reputation as a playboy. So, how do I put this delicately? He probably won't be back tonight. <laughs> <laughs> if you're waiting for him, a oh, good old Alfred. Man. I miss him so much." <laughs> Don't you guys have something better to do tonight? Like you're both married, and they're like, "Oh no, we forgot we have wives." Like, <laughs> a
2: freaking like '90s sitcom. Oh gosh. Like, what did you get for Barbara? I I didn't get anything. What'd you get for Gilda? I I didn't get anything. Oh man.
0: Like they know it's Valentine's Day. That's why they're there. <laughs> These idiots. Like, oh wait, Valentine's Day means something in this country. Jeez. <laughs>
1: Especially to our wives who have to deal with our bullshit and the fact that we come home at like after midnight most nights and have
2: most likely been dropping hints the entire first two weeks of the month.
1: (laughs) Yep, and the one is like, okay,
0: you never freaking see your son, and this is this is awful, and I need help, so I'm actually bringing in your niece to help me, and then the other one's just like, wow, I wish I could have kids. If there was a man around, <laughs> that would be great, because I ain't getting any younger. So you have these two pretty dissatisfied wives kind of keeping each other company.
1: Mm-hmm. But one is just
0: like, what's it like to have children? So um, <laughs> anyways, these men, <laughs> these men are like, oh shoot, we got to get back to our wives with presents. Probably chocolate in a heart shape. We, we cut over to Batman, and we see what he's doing on Valentine's Day, and it's visiting Falcone at his son's grave.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and of course Falcone does not take that well Bruce is trying to teach him a moral lesson (laughs) which I don't know I felt like that was inappropriate (laughs) just a little he's like how does it feel (laughs) it's like you know how it feels you dick (laughs) (laughs) he's just like this is your fault Falcone and Falcone's just like he wasn't even in the business he's like yeah but you were and so Falcone's just like I'm gonna kill you now and I'm Mm -hmm. like you know what fair like, that's completely fair at this point. That's and Catwoman, I'm just going to say this right now. I'm sorry if this is a spoiler, but this came out in the 90s. At least in Jeff Loeb's mind at this point, his headcanon is that Catwoman is Falcone's illegitimate daughter. So a lot of the stuff she does, she looks extremely spiteful. And if you don't know that, you might be like, why does she hate this guy so much? There it is.
2: And I did not know that.
0: She's his illegitimate daughter that he tried to have killed in Italy. So it was either her mom or someone else tries to save her. So she just barely gets out with her life.
1: So this is
2: just a little Easter egg for Jeff Lowe himself to enjoy for for now when this story was
1: coming out.
0: Exactly. We get to to find out later why she's so into messing with Falcone. And Mm. it's because they basically screwed her over and she's got daddy issues right now.
2: Right. That she's trying okay. to work
0: out. So Batman's basically gonna be shot in the chest, which would just be like the worst way to go. But Catwoman shows up and she saves his bacon, and uh, we kind of get that like the Batman Catwoman like oh what why are you so obsessed with me moment where Batman's just like I don't get her. Mm-hmm. What is that? <laughs> she's so nice to me, but she looks like a villain, but she's not really doing villain things. I don't I don't know. So hard cut to bruce and selena who don't know who each other are
2: <laughs> i know it's a total mr and mrs smith moment
0: <laughs> yeah i loved mr and mrs smith and i love this <laughs> catwoman of course is trying to seduce the rich bruce wayne and we don't know at this point whether it's for his money or his good looks or if she just has like I don't know, I don't think it's true love. But Catwoman is out for the day with Bruce and they seem to really like each other. So they become like unofficial boyfriend and girlfriend, even though I think mm. they're in an open relationship. Catwoman's kind of trying to keep him all to herself. A woman comes up, <laughs> a little flower seller, in a mask and scary robe. And I'm like, why does she have a white face? Is it Joker dressed like a woman? <laughs> That's
1: what I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> Like, but when then when I, I saw he took it, was a like a rose and it pricked. Yes.
0: So he gets he gets pricked and she's he's already kind of looks dinged up. And Calvin's just like, or Selena's like, what are you, why do you look like this? And he's like, "Oh." Mm. He goes home in a trance. Alfred's like, wow, did you have a good time? And nothing. He's like, I guess you did. Because <laughs> he's just staring at this rose. He goes into the other room and there is Poison Ivy waiting for him. Can I just say, like, she keeps this up for a while, and Alfred never sees her. No. <laughs> she just lives in their house for a bit, and he's just, like, completely oblivious to her presence. And I love her design. I love how chaotic it Ivy looks. It's
2: really cool. I love seeing, like, ba- basically, like, this giant bush of hair.
0: It, like, She's goes to the ceiling and grows along the ceiling. It's insane. Like, she has no boundaries with that hair. Mm. I love it. So Harvey's employee Vernon, we know that he's being paid by Salvatore Moroni. He tells him that Harvey believes Moroni is the weak link in Falcone's organization. Holiday then shoots all of Moroni's men outside.
2: That was the one that like really, really made me jump because it was like you've seen the Holiday killer, just you know, two bullets, whatever. Right. Not only did he shoot them all through the windows, but he blew up the car.
0: Exactly. At this point, (laughs) we were thinking, okay, he's only killing Falcone's men. So it has to be someone with a beef against Falcone. And so we've got a few suspects. The list keeps growing. I know that Falcone thinks Moroni might be part of it. Mm -hmm. But now Moroni's finally getting some. And up to this point, Moroni's kind of been like, uh, Falcone, we should join forces against these crazies. And Falcone was just like, nah, because you're not losing any guys, and I am. So... If we find out that they're in your organization, we're going to come for you.
2: Exactly. So
0: the line's been drawn between them, and now Maroney's having to pay the price. So now all bets are off. So after he shoots them, of course, he leaves his calling card, a box of heart chocolates. And I I think at the very end, we get to see how everyone spends their, their Valentine's Day. It's a bust. Like, honestly, like, the Bruce Wayne hitting it off with Selena sounded like a good Valentine's Day until he ended up being enslaved by Ivy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's like, that's a bad Valentine's Day. And then we've got a very happy Barbara Gordon getting chocolates from her man. And we get Gilda being woken up by her man, who's like, oh, um, wake up, honey, wake up. Oh, it's Valentine's Day. Here's some chocolates. (laughs) They both give him like the identical chocolates that are found at the crime scene. Yeah. Um, yeah, so number six, we get St. Patrick's Day. Carmine Falcone releases his daughter Sophia from the Gotham Penitentiary, and Sophia is scary to look at. <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> at first, I thought it was Catwoman because she's just like she walks in from the dark, and I was, and I, you know, he draws Catwoman so inconsistently. I was like, oh, oh gosh, like oh, she's his daughter. And then I looked at it again, I was like, oh no, that's his legitimate daughter. <laughs> That's the one he likes, (laughs) (laughs) but she is built like a bull, and she has like a very large nose. And so at first, I just thought it was just that inconsistency. But he always draws Catwoman with like a little teeny triangular nose. Uh huh. So she
1: could have been trying to mimic that very, because they're Italian, that very like Romanesque nose, and just failed horribly.
0: It's once again that not having any dip between the forehead and the nose. It's this long C that just curves from the top (laughs) of the forehead to the base of the nose. At least there is some consistency with her. And if you get lost and you don't know who's who, just remember she's the one with the mole. It (laughs) helps. (laughs) So Sophia shows up. Um, She's going to help her father in the wake of all these deaths. He needs someone around her that he can trust. And we do get a few of those, like, Falcone looking around, like, look at this empire I've built of people who want, you know, me dead. No, I can't trust anyone now. This is terrible. We've got Bruce, who's brainwashed. He tells all of his board members that they should do business with Falcone. (laughs) I know. And he starts with wiring $350 million to Falcone.
1: I'm surprised no one called Bruce out on this more, because he was so adamant, against it
0: yeah honestly if i was on the board i'd just be like oh he got threatened all right
2: that's exactly what i was thinking you know, like uh, it's true. probably all of them thinking like all right fuck only we finally got to him somehow
0: we were wondering when it would happen it happened yeah finally poor bruce he wires the money selena stops in to see bruce <laughs> he's he's not interested in her and she just realizes ivy's in the limo and she's like oh my gosh that is my territory it
2: was so funny because she's calling out to him like bruce what happened and then immediate like beeline away from her into his limo
0: catwoman does not do rejection that is not okay so she gets real upset so selena's like you know of course you know this means war so (laughs) she gets real ticked off before that happens Sophia pays her aunt, Carla Vitti, a visit to say that they're going to hit up Maroni on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, but yeah, Catwoman shows up at the Wayne Manor. She is ready to go. She attacks Ivy. She rescues Bruce. She opens up his coat, and it's all Ivy in there. Yep. And she's yeah. just, she has like a moment of panic. She's like, oh my gosh, what is that? <laughs> that
2: was so <laughs> weird.
0: It's very I was upsetting. It's like that moment in Over the Garden Wall where that kid like becomes part tree and you're like, oh no, it's too late. Mm. Yeah. I guess it was just to keep the pheromones on him at all times. Yeah. Selena freaks out for a minute and then she gets her bearings. She basically kicks Ivy's ass and she saves Bruce. He's just like, whoa, all of a sudden Catwoman came to save me. <laughs> She's a hero. Eventually meets up with Catwoman and as Batman. He's like, thanks for saving Bruce, the personal friend. <laughs> It's just this stupid. <laughs> I love those moments so much. So Ivy gets away Scott free and she ends up going back to Falcone, who, of course, it was Falcone who paid her to do this. Right. But Falcone is definitely reaching out past what the families usually do. They usually don't bring in the rogues. It's kind of one of those like moments of escalation that you know is yeah. going to come back to bite them. So Holiday leaves a leprechaun statue at Maroni's safe house after killing more of his men. I feel a little bit for Maroni, but like I don't know. We didn't really spend that much time with Maroni, so I don't really know him. You know? Like we spend <laughs> so like much care time with Falcone. A bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know that guy. I mean, sorry, your men are dead. Who are you? <laughs> Falcone, on the other hand, we get to meet his whole family. We get mm-hmm. to show up at his nephew's wedding. We get to see, like, his life and what it what it's like to be at the top of a heap just before everything goes south. So, number seven is April Fool's Day. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> They're all trying to figure out who's going to die today. Batman is running around. He thinks it's Maroni at this point. I guess he doesn't know about the two re- most recent right. hits.
2: Well, he was too busy being brainwashed.
0: That's true. He was
1: kind oh, of yeah. out of it. And he's also, since then, as he said at the very end, he has to clean up a lot of his mess that happened during his brainwashing. So, mm-hmm.
0: Ever since Ivy, we're, we're starting to escalate with the rogues. The rogues are starting to make more and more appearances. This issue, we get to see the Riddler. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Riddler so much. And it's
2: such a fucking entrance for the Riddler. <laughs> like, just very theatrical of... You know, as the Riddler does, it gave me very like Batman the Animated Series vibes mm-hmm. in the way that he's talking to Carmine Falcone, because he's trying to give Falcone theories of who this Holiday Killer could be, and at the same time, Batman is talking to Alfred about who he thinks the Holiday Killer is.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So Riddler says, oh, you know, it could be Catwoman because she's trying to remove that bounty you put on her head. Batman says it's Maroni because he's always been Falcone's rival. Riddler says it's actually his sister, Carla Vitti, because her son Johnny was killed and it makes perfect sense for her to kill Carmine's son Alberto. Son for a son. Mm -hmm. And then Alfred brings it to Bruce's attention. One person that he didn't think of, which was Harvey Dent. Who also seems to have a very, like, big vendetta against Carmine Falcon.
0: And immediately, Batman's like, "Of course!" And we're like, I know, like "Yeah!"
2: Immediately, like, "Word is law." I'm like, I have to go find Harvey right now. We are all
0: Alfred in that moment, like, "Um, yeah. you didn't think about your best buddy?" And he's like, "No, he's my best buddy." <laughs> you never see the people who are close to you until it's too late.
1: The things that they showed were huge hints that something's up with Harvey Dent. Right. Yeah. Like, him being perfectly fine with...
0: When people die, he, he kind of mocks it. He doesn't enjoy, but he's, he's not sad, either, because these people have been a no. thorn in his side. And they're the reason why he never can spend time with his wife. They're right. the reason why yep. he's scared to death they're gonna kill him. Like, how can he have sympathy for these monsters?
1: Yeah, But, and, but at the same time, it gives him motivation for just finally ending it because Gordon berates him a couple of well handful of times when he sing, says things like this like that's not within the law like we don't, right. we don't operate like that That's uh, what we
2: have that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But even still Batman doesn't like cross the line by no. killing anyone. No. Always turns over the criminals yeah. to the authorities. To be prosecuted mm-hmm. well, and this
0: is kind of the irony of two phases he's like i don't wear a mask i never wear a mask i do what i do in open daylight you know but it's not true because even though he comes across as a very upright person who works late he, d- he follows the law inside he doesn't he's long since given up on the law beat by the system he's, mm-hmm. he's a prosecutor he knows that judges can be bought he knows the rich never get prosecuted That's probably why he hates Bruce so much. It's just because he's like, the rich can do whatever they want, and the rest of us just have to watch Injustice from the sidelines.
1: Right. I really enjoyed this issue, even though it didn't have as much plot-driven stuff. It was kind of their way of starting to get you to connect a lot more of the threads and things that have been going on the previous six issues. Without it being, like, a total... Recap episode that you find a lot of the times in TV series. Well,
0: and it's the it's the middle issue So this is the center of the whole series. So this one is that moment in the middle where they're like Here's what's happening. We're gonna break it down for you And we're gonna have this whimsical fool Riddler do it (laughs) and I love their interpretation of Riddler You know, he he's he loves puzzles, but he's not like a genius. He's a guy who gets lost in the sauce when it comes to puzzles. (laughs) He gets real excited about solving it and he doesn't realize how much danger he's in. Yeah. And when he's there, uh, he ends up saying some things he probably shouldn't.
1: Yeah, Falcone got upset with him based off of all these accusations that, in the end, Falcone's like, well, you've given me all of these suspects. Who is it? And then he says with a question mark, Carmen Falcone? (laughs) He gets ups- visibly upset with this yeah. and Fort has his daughter. Poor Enigma's skull starts to get a little crushed and causes his nose to bleed, yeah. and she throws him out in the back alley. And that's, of course, as he's leaving Falcone Place, the holiday killer shows up and shoots around Enigma uh, <laughs> and leaves him be, because, of course, it's April Fools.
2: Yeah the holiday killer has been using the same weapon at every single crime scene he's been leaving it it's a 22 caliber pistol i'm pretty sure i've never actually seen it but i'm pretty sure the 22 caliber pistol does not hold enough bullets to fully <laughs> outline the riddler oh there no. are
0: like 20 bullet holes in that wall like i feel like they <laughs> like one of those moments were like shoot 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 Pop it up and put more in, shoot shoot shoot. Yeah. <laughs> and of course there's the iconic like lines that he says at the end as he like has his hands over his mouth and he's like, When does a killer not kill? And the answer of course is April Fool's Day. Uh-huh. Which shows yeah. that our killer has a sense of humor. Yeah. Which is the moment I started thinking, oh, maybe it's not Harvey Dent, because that guy has no he would funny just kill.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. That's one of those things Jeff Loeb constantly writes the Riddler as kind of the punching bag. You know how mm-hmm. every series has their punching bag, like the Harley Quinn series has yeah. Bane. In the Jeff Loeb universe, it's always the Riddler. <laughs> it's not like the most accurate in my mind cuz I always thought of him as thinking of himself as more suave than he was. But
1: it, yeah. It is
0: entertaining. It yeah. it's entertaining to see him get so lost in the the puzzle that he loses sight of where he is and what he should be saying in any given moment like all of these characters are highly caricatured and very fun mm-hmm. so issue eight mother's day we open up on the calendar man and man that guy is creepy looking yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's very white he's paper white
2: yeah
0: and he's got those thin drawn on eyebrows And that weird smirk, he looks like that guy from Game of Thrones. Varys. Varys. He's so funny to me. He's in Arkham, he's behind glass, but he's definitely taunting Batman. (laughs) And Batman's at his wit's end. He's got the stubble, he's obviously not slept, he's not having a great time. Mm -hmm. But now it's Mother's Day, which is not a great day for him in general. And Varys, or a holiday man or whatever. It's just like, you know what? You said you would have caught him by February or her. And he's just like, you know, well, Harvey Dent. you know, tell me what you know about Harvey Dent. he's just like, well, I know he's a Gemini. (laughs) Ugh. I hate this guy. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, here's what happens. Jonathan Crane escapes. Supposedly, his mother visited him. Everyone's just like, oh, no, he's gone. His mother visited. (laughs) I don't know the significance of that.
2: (laughs) Well, because he had a visitor, or whatever and next thing so they're thinking like the mom helped them escape
1: and then, but batman was like you idiots he strangled his mother on mother's day like Mm -hmm. he doesn't have a mom like why did you let someone in here so it was probably ivy in disguise because all of a sudden there's like this line of straw and i'm thinking wait does he powered by straw is that like a weird thing where he's Because it's like, magical straw power. How did he get this Like he makes it sound like it's no different than When you trap Ivy in Arkham You can't give her plants yeah. Because if not she's gonna break out So like he made it seem like it was this huge thing Of like hmm straw Where did he get this Like what?
0: what? You're in you're in Scarecrow's room What, what do you think <laughs> I love that Which one of you gave him Straw <laughs> he's thinking
2: about the fact that he strangled his mom but as he's like he's so angry that the Scarecrow escaped he's ripping the bars out of the window
0: <laughs> yeah and at the same time I'm such a dummy when I read that I was like yeah you know it's Mother's Day why don't you just say strangled his mom because I thought because I didn't see a body I'm like where is she you're saying he strangled his mom on mother's day like i get it it's poetic irony but like where is she i didn't realize he meant like in the past he said years ago (laughs) i skimmed so Mm. anyways he's off (laughs) could you just tell the rest of this because this is chaotic and i'm out of breath
2: he starts chasing after scarecrow scarecrow is on the back of an actual horse (laughs) in the middle of arkham asylum's field And so when Batman goes to tackle him, it's an actual Scarecrow, like, filled with straw and everything. But it's also filled with Scarecrow's gas, which, as we know, it's fear gas. Bruce did not have enough time to put on the gas mask or anything. At the same time, Carmine's daughter, uh, Sophia, is trying to find this holiday killer. She is in the process of strangling a man over a bridge. Just asking for a name, any a location, anything. So this man tells her that there's a guy by the name of Gunsmith, which I immediately thought of Tinian. Yeah,
0: me too. And right? it cracked yep.
2: up. And he's like, makes a custom 22 pistol once a month at Chong's Tea House in Chinatown. And it's the same pistol that is used by the Holiday Killer. So Sophia lets him go. Off the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> So she has this information now. She has to go find this gunsmith in Chinatown. But the holiday killer beats Sophia to it, leaving aside a Mother's Day basket next to the dead bodies of the gunsmith. Mm
0: -hmm. So
2: while that's finishing up, we cut back to Batman, who is now remembering his mother by going to Park Row, also known as Crime Alley, where his parents died. And he's thinking about how it was... His fault because he asked his mom to wear pearls at night to make it a special night for all of them.
0: Uh.
2: And so he starts thinking about this whole memory, then the memory of Joe Chill coming to kill his parents. Mm-hmm. But it's not Joe Chill, it's actually Jim Gordon with the police trying to bring Bruce Wayne in for questioning. But because he's under the influence of this... (laughs) He runs. And he thinks that he's running away with his mom... To save her. He ends up at the Gotham Cemetery... Clutching his his mother's tombstone. Saying that he's not gonna let Joe Chill get to her.
0: And it was so sad because he's like... He wanted the pearls. Yeah. He just wanted the pearls. So it's like he's still thinking that he killed his mom. That was... Heartbreaking.
1: One of the other sweet things that was kind of subtle, that on Gordon's side, when he sees Bruce freak out, all the police officers are like, chase after him, shoot him down, Mm -hmm. like he's a suspect on the run, and Gordon's like, no, follow him. Like, he he knew something was up with Bruce. Yeah. He understands, like, this is a traumatic day for Bruce, don't hurt him, he's clearly not in his right mind right now. And especially
2: because, like, he knew where to find him. They knew to find him in Crime Alley.
1: Right. i felt like that was kind of a really subtle sweet moment Mm -hmm. that showed how good of a man and how good of like a leader and a person that jim gordon is yeah especially during all of this shit
0: absolutely and can i also say how much i love the idea of him leaving that rose in in crime alley every year as bruce wayne and not Not as as batman Batman. (laughs) because that is just way too suspicious like don't do that yeah (laughs) Um, But yeah, I liked it. I thought it was very poetic. I did like that last moment where he is just bawling his eyes out. Mm -hmm. He's definitely tormented. And also, can I say how much I love this calendar theme? Because immediately after Mother's Day, we get Father's Day. Yeah.
2: It starts off actually really interesting. So it actually starts off with a flashback of Carmine's father, Vincent Falcone, in Wayne Manor asking Thomas Wayne to help save his son, Carmine, who was shot or whatever. Thomas is telling him, he's like, he needs a hospital, I can't do this here. He's like, listen, you need to do this. No hospitals, no nothing. You know, typical mob stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Thomas starts performing surgery right on the dining room table. And you see young Bruce Wayne watching all of this from the railing. And he says in the present day, like in her monologue of how he never actually got to see his father work and it was like a magical experience for him Mm -hmm. so then you cut to bruce on trial behind bars because you know the police brought him in for questioning right and alfred is being interrogated on in court by harvey dent about bruce's connections to carmine falcone they start mentioning the past relationship of Carmine and Thomas Wayne, mm-hmm. and saying like you know they were good friends, and how come Thomas never reported any of these crimes that Carmine and his father committed? And Alfred basically says is you know, Gotham was a different place back then. <laughs> yeah, a lot of lives changing hands. He's a lot like of maybe dirty he money. did submit
0: that file, and you guys just lost it.
2: Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And even mentions he's like you know a couple months later. And around that same time both Thomas and Martha Wayne were murdered
1: not just the fact that oh a couple months they were killed it was their murder was never found yeah, yeah. like they still haven't technically found him like
0: with this very icy glare at the prosecutor <laughs> that they intentionally did not do justice to Thomas and Martha Wayne like they're mm. like he mm. basically implicates them as criminals <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah. And it was so funny to see Jim's face in this. <laughs> yep.
0: Because he's like,
2: oh, no, this is going to hurt Harvey big time.
0: He's like, it's going to cost us. That was good. One.
2: <laughs> and so that finishes it up. Then you cut to uh, Sal Moroni meeting with his father, Luigi Big Lou Moroni, <laughs> in their garden on their premises or whatever. And... Sal looks away for a moment, Big Lou is killed by the Holiday Killer, left with a gun, and the stereotypical Father's Day gift, a tie. Ah. Again, as I mentioned in the beginning, there's, there's a bunch of different references to mobster movies, specifically The Godfather, and this is one of those big scenes in The Godfather. This is when Vito Corleone died, and it was almost panel for panel. Of him falling down on the ground in, the, in his garden Being found by his son His son clutching the body Like it was as if I was just re-watching the movie all over again uh. I'm all for references You know I love my references You know I love my easter eggs But there's a difference between like a little easter egg And then just completely taking the
0: scene Just art theft
2: Yeah So Sophia Falcone Goes to tell Carmine now that Bruce was acquitted in ninety seconds in court.
0: Dang, Alfred. <laughs> also, man, is that a bad prosecutor or what? And then,
2: so Sophia, a stereotypical Father's Day gift from not knowing what to get your father, gives Carmine a, t- a tie, and he just kind of looks at it. He's like, "Oh, that was that was thoughtful. Thank you." And then he leaves. It ends with a panel of her just kind of looking really sad, of like, "Oh, he didn't he didn't like the gift," and then. It cuts to Gordon coming home from a long day of work, checks on his infant son in his crib who has a tie with like baby handprints all over it, which he's I think so is adorable. Cute. And Jim Gordon, being the good man he is, fucking wears that tie like the good damn father.
0: Yeah, it's like just a cute little handmade thing, and he's just ah, uh, it makes it hurt even more because every time I see Gordon with his, with his son, I think about all the bad things about to happen to him, and he's just like. You have good dreams, son. Have good dreams. And meanwhile, can we talk about how Catwoman is spying on uh, the Falcone relationship? Yep. Yeah. Like, her half-sister is like, happy Father's Day. And he goes, I appreciate the gesture. He walks out of frame, and she's watching her sister just, like, defeated, say, Papa. And she just Mm -hmm. gives her this murderous glare as she walks away. She is not having it with this family.
2: <laughs> Which, again, you won't find out until later as to why. I know, they're
0: just Easter eggs at this point. Like, if you're reading this, you're just like, uh... Mm-hmm.
2: Like, I had completely no idea.
0: It also kind of sets it up, like, maybe she is the killer, you know? She definitely has a grudge against all these mobsters, and we don't know why.
2: Mm-hmm. And then also because it's an AU, you know that, like, Catwoman doesn't really necessarily kill. Like, in the main comics, anyway. Right. So, it's a possibility. So, anyway, so then... Now we cut to the Dents' home, where Gilda finds Harvey in the basement, sitting in a chair. This is the second time she found him in the basement shirtless, which <laughs> okay, I get it. You're home, whatever, but I don't know. It felt a little murderous to me. Yeah, he like, seems like he's might no, have no lights on in the basement either. And the first time that we see him shirtless in the basement, he seems to have a gun in um, the vice bench vice and he has a gun in there and it looks like he's filing serial numbers off the first time that we see him shirtless in the basement so now she sees him just sitting there shirtless in the dark flipping (laughs) a coin and he's just muttering to himself was like he visited his father and then he starts talking about the case and how he was so sure Bruce was tied to Falcone and he almost had it but the jury didn't agree with him and he's flipping this coin with every sentence. He's like, heads, he wins. Tails, I lose.
0: And it just once again highlights what a terrible attorney he is. Because, like, <laughs> you brought him in with, like, gossip that his dad knew his other dad. It's like, you don't think rich people talk to other rich people in this city? Like, you can't just say, there it is, you guys. I've proven it. He's in bed with Falcone. Like, you have no proof.
1: There's more proof on the time between Valentine's Day and St. Patrick's Day with Ivy brainwashing Bruce into having the bake accept the loan or whatever between Carmine. Like, that's such a bigger red flag, mm-hmm. but no...
2: And not to mention, like you're a DA in Gotham City, you know that how high the crime rate is. You know that you don't just have to fact check once; you have to fact check multiple times. I would think you would definitely,
0: yeah. I mean, he's put so much work into this case, and yet when it came to Bruce, he was just like, "Yeah, I don't need any more proof. This is fine." He turned on him immediately, and he's just like, "Everyone will agree with me." But it's Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, because he did have proof; we just didn't see it in the trial. And I was thinking. Uh you know, there is a way to show that he's a good attorney if you wanted to go that route, where you do show like that evidence, and then you have like some of the the jurors talking on break, saying, oh, that Bruce Wayne, he sure is dreamy, or something like that as he walks past. Can you imagine being a DA and hearing that, and you'd be like, I (laughs) hate this city.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) It does show Harvey's desperation at this point. Like, he's not in his right mind. Right, no. There was clearly, like, subtle signs of Harvey's not right. Like, okay, he's probably just cracking. Like, this whole holiday anything is just really getting on his last nerves and it's causing him to just want to be done with life. But you see him in the courtroom and then you see him sitting in the basement flipping a coin, and you're like, mm. yeah. And I gotta
2: say, like, again, like, Two Face has one of my favorite origins for Batman Rogues. I love watching it develop into, like, Two Face. I feel like the Batman Telltale video game did a really good job of showing the changing dialogue in Harvey's voice when he stops saying I and he starts saying we. Now, like, introducing the coin. Anyway, so you cut to now Gotham Central Park where the Scarecrow and the Mad Hatter are working for Carmine Falcone now. Because he's running out of options here. IVs didn't really work out that well. Riddler didn't work out that well. He's not going to hire the Joker. So now he's down to these guys. Scarecrow, I don't know uh, much about Scarecrow in terms of like in comics. Like I know of him. Obviously, I've seen him in a TV show. I don't necessarily have any recollection of him only speaking in rhymes or poetry.
0: He takes on different forms of crazy. Like sometimes he's totally in control of his faculties and he just kinda gets off on other people's fear. Sometimes he mm-hmm. doses himself. Sometimes he's just wacky. And a lot of times he's from a very rich southern family, which yeah, makes it weirder. Like
2: Georgia plantation. With
0: like a or... weird, like abusive father.
2: Yeah, so Matt Hatter I know, he mainly just talks in quotes from Alice in Wonderland while Scarecrow is repeating pat-a-cake.
0: Right. I thought that was just a whimsical thing he was doing because he was cooking something, but he gets into a shouting match with the bad hatter. And he just keeps saying, pat-a-cake, pat-a-cake. What?! (laughs)
1: It was. It felt really weird and out of character for Scarecrow. It took me out
0: of the scene for a bit. It was a little weird. Like he's yelling at uh, Jarvis, who's screaming, "You could always have more." And mm-hmm. I feel like that was kind of one of those things where they're supposed to be acting psychotic when a, when like the straight man comes in. Yeah. So Falcone shows up and he's just like, "Gentlemen."
2: <laughs> and then with bruce and alfred it was another like heart moment for me because alfred's you know just talking to bruce because now that he's he doesn't have to worry about the court thing at all bruce is questioning how gotham would be if his father never saved carmine falcone like Mm -hmm. how much different would it be and as he's walking away with this thought alfred is saying to himself like how different would your life be if i was a better father for you
0: oh Alfredo. My <laughs> it was Ouch. so
2: sad, especially after everything with Joker War.
0: It's that house. He gets <laughs> depressed. You gotta you gotta brighten that place up. You both oh, are getting man. moody. It's so sad.
1: And I don't know if it's Tim Sells' art, but um the one where Harvey and Gordon walk into Wayne Manor and like the front entrance is cavernous. It is yeah. huge. Oh, man, it yeah. is- dark. I loved that. So I really enjoyed that like it was either that's how it actually looks or just that over dramatization to show just how stark and alone mm-hmm. and not homey this yeah. is compared to Harvey's new little cute. it's very clean cute little yeah. cottage and then even we don't see the outside of Gordon's home but we do see the inside of it and it's very warm and homey and it's mm-hmm. just a normal little nice house mm-hmm. And poor Bruce is by himself in the sky. He's always
0: finding angel. these big shadows to sit in.
2: <laughs> yeah. It reminded me a bit of the Michael Keaton Batman movies. Mm.
0: Of, like the yeah. shots of
2: Wayne Manor and like Bruce is sitting there in the long dining room table. And he's like looking around. Yes. He's like, I don't think I've ever been in this room before, actually.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, liked, I liked Bruce sitting on these like giant stairs. He's just yeah. sitting there, and they make him look oh, so yeah, little. Oh, yeah, in the
2: same spot, looking at looking at the table that his father performed the surgery. I know, and he's Ugh. sort of
0: sitting there with his knees together like a little boy, just like, mm-hmm. I miss my dad so much. And yeah. you see him in the library, you see all these different places where it's very cold, it's very manly, it's very stately, but, like, there's no softness anywhere. There's no, like, mm-hmm. smaller nooks that you could sit in and feel like... A normal sized person everything yeah. is looming it makes you feel small and insignificant i can't even imagine growing up in that so he, they do a really good job with the backgrounds in this
2: so then it actually ends with Maroni meeting harvey at his office and basically gives him the enemy of my enemy is my friend speech of we should be working together to, to take, take out Falcone. Falcone.
0: yeah he is mad his dad just died
2: yeah, he's, he's out for
0: vengeance. very angry right now. Mm-hmm. So he definitely thinks mm-hmm. it's Falcone. Uh, okay, yeah, sorry. You go ahead with the next one. I don't, my voice is tired. Leave me alone. All, you, right, all right, all am You're good. Muse, you're do good. you so... want to do it? Oh, yeah, Muse, go ahead.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, so the next uh, issue is issue 10. Uh, it is Independence Day, so it's 4th of July. It starts very early with Holiday Killer shoots the corner. Or the DCPD and dumps the body in the harbor leaving a statue of liberty so cheesy
2: and like perfect cover too because you have the fireworks going off so oh, nobody's yeah. gonna hear this gun
1: no no one hears it at all mm-hmm. so it's at that point it's really hard to place when it actually happened yeah and then you don't have a body either the body's at the bottom of the river <laughs> like
2: the smart thing to do
1: we cut to Bruce in Wayne Manor and he's talking with selena they're having a sweet little moment on the balcony and he kind of talk, has an inner monologue of he still refers to wayne manor as his father's house it's not his house it's his father's still which really solidifies what we talked about before about how just empty and not homey wayne manor is uh bruce has really started to push distance himself from the house like mm-hmm. this isn't home to him Selina asks Bruce, what will it take for him to leave Gotham? So this is a similar scene to actually what we saw in Joker War.
0: Well, it's a similar scene to what we saw earlier when Catwoman offers Batman a way out.
1: Oh, yeah, that's She's true. just
0: constantly trying to get men to run away with her. I think she wants to go to Europe.
1: Well, she does eventually. <laughs> um, I think this moment, I think, was a little sweeter. Um, oh, yeah. I, I don't know if it was the mix of the writing and the art in a way. No, it's not my favorite interpretation compared to the weird forcefulness that we found with uh, issue 101 of Oh, Batman, the one-year ultimatum. The one-year ultimatum, but this one was more of whimsical in the way of, like, oh, we could just run away together.
0: Oh, yeah. I love how she do- seduces him, too. She just, she always, like, waits for that right moment, and then she just looks mm-hmm. him deep in the eyes and says, I know places, Bruce, things we could do together. And, like, he's he doesn't say no.
1: No, he doesn't. But at the same time, she doesn't at this point know that he's Batman. So she doesn't know the offer that she's making is definitely not going to come true. And of course, as he's contemplating it, they hug, and in the sky is the bat signal. So of course, he has to rush off. Lo and behold, it's not Gordon on the roof of the police station trying to hail him down with the bat signal, it's actually Harvey. He says that it was wrong to go after Bruce, and that Maroni will actually testify. Bruce gets really
0: sulky with him too right away.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's he's like not having it, and Harvey's like, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> he doesn't come out of the shadows. He
0: stays pouting up on the perch. He's like, "Yeah, yeah then so talk." Hurt. He's like, "I want to talk." Then talk. It's like, um, you know, you know that deal we made. He's like, "I do. Do you?" <laughs> <laughs> like he's really mad about being sent to prison. Oh
1: uh, yeah, yep. <laughs> so Maroni is gonna testify. I don't remember why he's testifying. He
2: Again. he's gonna confess to all the Carmine's crimes.
1: Yes, that was it. He was just gonna say everything yeah. at this point, as he's stuck in or like holding because I think he's still at GCPD. He's not actually in prison at this point. Um, Sophia Falcone comes in. And talks with Maroni, and it turns out that they're secret lovers because they share a kiss. And she's all, "If you expose my father's secrets, then you're going to expose mine because I'm connected to him." But what about us? And it's like, "Sorry," (laughs) kind of thing. Like your dad's a jerk, and
0: she makes a really good point. Like she went to prison for him, and she's like, "I never turned you in." Now, she doesn't want him to just not turn right. I think she wants him to kill Dent. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It took me a minute because uh, I was like, doesn't she like get him to kill him? Like, <laughs> I, the, the turn was very fast. Sorry. Continue.
1: Oh, you're good. So Batman goes back to the scene of the crime where Gordon is, and they weirdly notice that there's more fireworks, and they're like, well, the fireworks already went off it's those darn kids they're just (laughs) like and immediately batman's like nope this is not right and (laughs) rushes off and of course it's another someone else is shooting off fireworks to cover up their crime and it is the mad hatter and scarecrow and i'm pretty certain that the fireworks are technically they're also fear toxin and mm-hmm. they are trying to uh, rob the Gotham City Bank. The guards are either like cowering in fear, or like killed by like was it a rocket? I think
2: it was a rocket. It looked like yeah. a rocket. I want to say it was just a yeah. uh, a firework that was getting launched into there.
1: It might have been just a giant firework. Mm. Um, so they start. They escape with eight with bags of cash. Very unrealistic, <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Unlike this cart, like, it like I was like just it's... gonna mention that. Like, this is, this is some, like-
2: It sounds like a compromise deal for, like, between the Rogues and Falcone.
1: Uh, yeah, um, they're in, like, a wagon cart thing. Like, something you would find either out in the country or in a period piece. They're driving this thing in Gotham City with a bunch of bags of money- Banks don't hold that much cash in them.
2: I was also going to say, like, it's Gotham where, you know, they're using cell phones and typewriters.
1: This is true. So, Mad Hatter is talking, like, the walrus and the carpenter, and Scarecrow's making more rhymes Mm -hmm. as they're, like, bouncing off, and, of course, uh, Batman shows up and easily takes these two idiots out because they are not the most physically imposing. (laughs) Especially Mad Hatter. Like, I'm sorry. You're one of the weakest robes. Like,
2: <laughs> He's got the br- mind control.
1: Mm-hmm. He does. He has so to he's get, use it. It. Yeah,
0: it's hard to get yeah, someone to wear your hat and you can't even reach yeah. their head.
1: Yeah. And then Scarecrow, <laughs> his only good thing is the fear toxin. And of course, Batman came prepared and knocked out the string bean that is Scarecrow. And uh-huh. Selena joins in the fight as well because where there's Carmine Falcone stuff, there's. Catwoman.
0: Yeah, the, it was nice. She gives him another offer. She gives Batman the offer to run away with her. She says, "I know places, Batman, things only I could show you," which is identical to the line she gave Bat uh, Bruce. And yep. you're kind of yep. like, "Oh, Batman. D- how did how you, not- you not? On? Yeah. <laughs> he's not the world's greatest detective right now, but he's also like not thinking with his brain like clearly." Mm-hmm. Yep. She's like rubbing herself against him and he's looking away like all bashful. He's like, "Do you want to help me with this?" She's like, "That's not what I had in mind."
1: <laughs> I feel that issue ten kind of was the weakest. There wasn't as much of a focus on mm. the murder. It was, I think, trying to get Maroney into like the trial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was really it. And then Scarecrow and Mad Hatter's stupid attempt. And I'm pretty. I think they escaped too because. It just felt so out of place them trying to rob the bank. Like, why?
2: Because they got to make up all the money Falcone lost
1: from Harvey and Batman burning it. True, but like it felt like so weirdly out of place compared to everything else. It was a really
0: stupid issue. escape plan too. Like, they don't even drive yeah. a car. They have a horse and buggy. It's just, but like sometimes True. it's better not to have any sidekicks mm-hmm. when your sidekicks are like we only deal with medieval stuff it's like <laughs> no i'm sorry leave the horse at home
2: so next one is roman holiday it's in august now
0: it's the roman holiday a thing what is that what kind of holiday I think is
2: it's- that Falcone's birthday gotcha so gilda uh once again confronts harvey in the basement But this time he's clothed. He has a suit on because he's trying to get to work. But she finds the pistol on the workbench. He's claiming that, you know, it's evidence. She's like, but you don't bring evidence home. He's like, "Ah, I bring evidence home all the time. What are you talking about? And Gilda's like shocked at this. She's like, I never knew that. Like, I thought we told each other everything. Mm -hmm. So Batman finds the Riddler drunk in a bar during the daytime and everyone is like, I thought, you know, sun comes down, you come out. What's what's going on here? What are you doing here right now? And even Batman's, like, having an inner monologue. He's like, normally I need the shadows. People usually fear me more.
0: <laughs> oh, Batman. <laughs>
2: and asking Riddler, like, what he knows. And basically says that Falcone wanted Riddler to tell the world that, Falcone is looking for the identity of the holiday killer. Riddler was basically like his town crier basically for the holiday. So then we cut to Carla Vitti talking to her brother about why is he hiring these crazy people to deal with this family matter. And Carmine is basically telling her, he's like, listen, don't question my judgments. I do what I got to do for our family. You don't ever disrespect me like that again. Opens the door. In comes the birthday cake to wish him a happy birthday. It's just very quick. little weird. Now we cut back to Sal Maroney on the stand for as Harvey's chief witness now. Harvey has his whole career going on this now. He's like, I need Maroney to not fuck this up because I don't want to lose my job. Before Sal makes it to the stand, Harvey's assistant, Vernon, he gives him this bottle of acid, and Moroni's like, oh, I didn't know Harvey cared about my ulcer. <laughs> also in the stand, you have Bruce in disguise, but he looks like Leon from The Professional. I don't know how well that reference stands, but Professional's a very good movie. Natalie Portman was like 12 years old in it. Anyway... He has like this knitted cap and the John Lennon sunglasses and a yeah. uh, chin strap beard. So he's watching this whole case because he wants to see how this thing turns out as well. And he can't just show up as Batman
1: or Bruce Wayne. Yeah,
2: exactly. So he's
1: basically matches.
2: Mm hmm. Pretty much. He's matches Malone. And Harvey is asking Maroney these questions. Maroney starts coughing because, you know, the ulcer. He starts pulling out the bottle and he ends up splashing it at Harvey and it eats through everything cue the two-face origin now harvey falls to the ground writhing in pain clutching his face so you can't see it but you can tell it is burning half his face and so then we cut to the hospital and you see gilda pacing back and forth doctor comes out she's like there's nothing we can do for your husband. You're like, you mean he's dead? No, he escaped. And then you <laughs> see that Harvey actually stabbed the doctor. Oh
0: my gosh. In the back. Way to <laughs> bury the lead. Escape. Holy cow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> At the end, it ends with the holiday killer in the coroner's office for some strange reason, as well as Carla Vitti. She is looking up files from everybody affiliated with the Falcones. And holiday killer actually kills Carla.
0: Ah, oh, we're coming up on the end. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Labor Day.
2: All right. We find out that Harvey's actually been hiding in the sewers for the past month now. He befriended Solomon Grundy, who at first was trying to drown him. And then he starts, you know, saying his regular Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday and harvey somehow remembers this rhyme and then he starts to say it back to him it has that son's getting a real low buddy moment
1: (laughs) yeah it does
2: (laughs) and he ends up getting grundy to stop trying to drown him as he finishes the entire poem and then we cut to gordon and batman on the roof gordon tells batman that harvey has to be the holiday killer and then batman's like i'm not so sure about that (laughs) He's like, but we we have criminating evidence. We have the twenty-two caliber pistol and Falcone's ledger in Harvey's briefcase that was found at his house and he brought it to work. Batman's still not convinced. That's his buddy. Oh. There's no way that he's holiday. So, he actually goes to visit Carmine Falcone in order to find wherever Harvey Dent is since he escaped the hospital. And he catches Selina listening in to the conversations again. And he peeking out behind selena and scaring her asking her why is it every time that i'm with carmine you seem to be here and she gives him like three options kind of like what riddler was doing with carmine she's like well you know could be that carmine treats the world like a ball of yarn you know how cats love unraveling balls of yarn or it could be that whenever carmine's around you tend to show up which makes absolutely no sense to me, because that's still not explaining why you're tailing Carmine to begin with. You're just hoping as an added factor, Batman's going to show well, up.
0: Well, she's not going to tell him, but she might try to stroke his ego a little bit yeah, while she's at it. but
2: still, just like, it's, it's a misplaced quote, I feel like, to me. Anyway, and then the third option is that it's just none of Batman's business why she's there. And then she escapes, <laughs> and then he's like, oh, that woman...
0: I, was, I hate how he was just like, none of your schoolgirl tricks today, <laughs> Catwoman. And I'm just like, sir, have you spoken to a woman before? <laughs> he, he, he's, he's like, ah, seductress. She's just like, and I love how she's just like, ah, maybe it's none of your business. And she just like, swan just dives leaves. off the side of the building. I know. And he's just and shouting at here, her, like, like she's gonna come ah. back mid swan dive. Catwoman, get back here this minute. <laughs> Then he says something stupid. Like, how many of her lives has she used up since this yeah. whole nightmare began? <laughs> it's just like, dude,
1: how this many so cat ridiculous. puns do we need? I think this is like the only time we've actually had very obvious cat puns with her.
2: Yeah, this is the most cat puns I've seen from Catwoman.
1: That, these are not the most I've seen. <laughs> but in this story, this is the most that yeah. we've gotten yeah. here. Most of the other ones have just been Selena kind of making fun of her own shtick.
2: Yeah, like, exactly. She's kind of, yeah. But anyway, so he goes after Gilda to ask where Harvey is because if anybody would know, like he most likely returned home to get his things. Told you to keep it a secret. I don't know. He also mentions how the twenty-two caliber pistol that had the serial numbers filed off, and it looks like there's metal shavings on the workbench. So that's a little bit suspicious. Then we cut to Calendar Man. Now he believes Maroni to be the next target. And so now Batman's like, all right, I need to go inform my other buddy, <laughs> my good buddy Jim.
0: <laughs> but he, here's the thing. I just want to say this. Gilda, Harvey Dent's wife, she always dresses pretty young. Um, mm-hmm. And she has these big anime eyes. She has like the biggest eyes of anyone in this series. She
2: sounds so like innocent and soft spoken She
0: looks like a little yep. Betty Boop. She's a total cutie yeah. doll. Yeah. And so, like, every time mm-hmm. you see her, she she's looking up with these big sad eyes, like, find my husband. He's <laughs> just yeah. like, poor baby.
2: So anyway, so, yeah, Calendar Man tells Batman that Maroney's going to be the next target. As soon as Batman found out, he told Jim. Jim is maneuvering Maroni from the prison that he was in because he was a chief witness, maneuvering him through the sewers. Which is where Holiday ends up actually stalking them, too. Um, it's Jim Gordon, a security guard, and Maroni. He shoots the security guard, who is wearing, like, full-on SWAT armor. Mm-hmm. So, that is bulletproof. And he's shooting him point-blank in the chest. Right. So, not really the smartest thing for the Holiday killer. Jim stumbles to the ground. Maroni's dead. Next thing he's going to do is grab the flashlight that fell onto the ground and shine it on this killer, and it turns out that it's Alberto Falcone.
0: You were supposed to be dead. (laughs) Sorry, I stepped on your moment.
2: (laughs) No, that's perfectly fine. And that's how it ends, which I thought was a major cliffhanger, because that was immediately me, like, hand to my chest, like, what happened?
1: He died on
2: New Year's Eve.
1: (laughs) The butler didn't I was didn't like, well, that's it. like, all of this is a red herring. I guess it wasn't even Harvey. I guess poor Harvey was just a victim in all of this. And his mental sanity cracked because of all of the pressure. And he became Two-Face. And that is just so sad. <laughs> and then issue 13 comes in.
2: Yeah. So this is the final issue of The Long Halloween it cuts immediately at that fight where Gordon shows the light in in Alberto's face the guard stands back up because again bulletproof vest basically sWAT armor the helmet comes off to reveal a cowl because it is Batman and then he starts wailing on Alberto like to the point where Jim has to like tell Batman to back off
0: mm-hmm.
2: like he's had enough don't be killing us and then of course he has like that inner monologue again of like that promise I made to my parents oh, all those gosh. years ago. <laughs> yeah.
1: That that was a little, I felt, unnecessary. It was like- a
2: little much. Like, I get, like, again, like, this is supposed to be Batman's early years, so, like, him being Batman is still kind of fresh. So I can understand if that's still kind of wrapped in his head a little bit, still trying to figure out, like, how he wants to play this as the hero vigilante or whatever
1: like he has a bit of a code but he's trying to really define it and figure out where that line yeah. is. Yeah.
2: He's shocked still as like he's wailing on cuz he's like the coroner confirmed that Alberto was dead. I saw his grave where he was buried, which means that Alberto killed the coroner who knew that the body was in the grave was wrong and he didn't want that coming out at all. Then he killed his aunt Carla Viti who was going through the coroner's notes to prove if Alberto was actually dead. So now we cut to Alberto in prison, Carmine is visiting his son, and he's like, why why would you do this? Listen, no matter what, like, I know that you weren't part of the business. I can get you out of here. You just say the word, I can make it happen. And it goes into this moment of Alberto basically asking his dad, like, did you ever care about me? No. Or was it all just to protect your image? Do you even know when my birthday is? I can give you a hint. It's on a holiday. Fun fact is Valentine's Day. And, but basically Carmine doesn't even know this. He's like, what are you talking about? Like, you're my son, of course I'm gonna watch out for you. And Alberto goes into this whole thing about you never cared about me. You just cared about the rest of the family and the business and making sure that you stayed in power. I'm not your son. I'm holiday,
0: right? Because he's evolved. Because all the criminals in Gotham have evolved, and he's an Oxford grad. And he's like, I (laughs) can see the signs, but you can't.
2: Exactly. And now he's getting with the times. It's like the the old ways of the mob is done. You have to take on an identity of your
0: own now. Now you have to be a clown.
2: Falling back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He gets on his little tricycle and pedals away.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it definitely as V and i said earlier about poor kid like Mm -hmm. no if he had been involved in more of his father's work he probably wouldn't have done what he did yeah and have fallen on the identity of the holiday killer right he's definitely one of those kind of like those sympathetic villains of like oh snap like ouch Mm -hmm. but what you did was unjustifiable but i understand why you did it. Right. Well, and that kind of seems
0: to be a theme throughout with Falcone is we're we're shown his love, his family, his vulnerabilities, his strengths, and he's kind of set up as this very sympathetic villain. But at the same time, I mean, and I don't even think they emphasize it that much, but you have to understand this man is a a murderer and evil. And like, we don't get to see that as much because he's so genteel. He's so measured. He's got that moral code. But the book, mm-hmm. the logic of this story does kind of set up, you know, you live by violence, you die by violence. And there does seem to yeah. be this internal sort of karma happening where even if you dress up scary and you live a seemingly violent life, but you're not violent like Batman, <laughs> you you come out better than someone who dresses up and seems kind and orderly but internally or in your actions, you are violent. There's a very strong yeah. moral element to this entire story.
2: hmm Anyways. Now we cut to Halloween night. Harvey visits Calendar Man in Arkham Asylum and just says, sorry, and then he walks away. Well,
0: because he busts... It shows us all of the different uh, empty jail cells. You see Jonathan mm-hmm. Crane, Identity Unknown, Pamela Isley everyone is gone but then we see it comes to calendar man and we see the coin toss yeah and it's just like you failed the coin toss you
2: you even see like the reflection in the mirror and Harvey is wearing a two colored suit on his jacket good catch so now like you know like he's fully given into his persona now cut to Carmine Falcone's home goes into his office and the rogues are there I mean, Grundy's there, the Joker's there, Penguin's there, who we didn't see at all, Mad Hatter's there, Catwoman's there, Scarecrow's there, and you just see half a face sitting in his chair, which we know is Two-Face. And then, all of a sudden, giant smoke bomb all over the room, and then in comes the Bat. (laughs) Starts wailing on everybody. As he's fighting all of these people at once he's thinking about a quote from his father uh that he was talking about surgery where he's like when faced with a seemingly insurmountable problem your only option is to act swiftly some might even say irrationally removing the most dangerous elements first and methodically attacking each subsequent challenge in a separate but deliberate manner
1: and he takes that to heart because Mm -hmm. he takes out the big threats he takes out Grundy. Yeah. He takes out Poison Ivy, and then he goes for everyone else. He got Joker, Joker, like, right away with, like, brass knuckles, which I wasn't (laughs) expecting. (laughs) He
2: he knows the Joker's, like, you can't predict what he's going to do. That's the problem with him.
1: He's the wild card. He is the Joker. He's, you don't know what he's going to do. He's not very physically strong like Grundy is or having magical powers like Ivy, but mm-hmm. take him out because uh, he's gonna cause some chaos if he's awake. Exactly.
0: So. Catwoman's the last rogue he rounds up. Yeah. And he's like Catwoman and mm. she's like,
1: that's me. Like that's <laughs> just her
0: reaction after being gassed. Just yeah, that's yeah. me. Yeah. And
1: he he asks her like what side is she on? And she's like hmm. the same side I'm always on.
0: Yeah. And he's just like, Oh, I don't understand you women and he like God. leaves her. <laughs> it's like every time. She just gets away with murder because, like, well, not murder, but she gets away with anything she wants because (laughs) he's just like, I guess you're not a threat. I don't know. You're just confusing.
2: Like, she's really nailing down, like, the dark and mysterious type that just leaves the people wanting more in Bruce's
0: case. Total femme fatale on every front.
2: Such a nice job in terms of, like, the dialogue and everything for her. So, yeah. (laughs) She escapes him. You cut to... Harvey shooting down Carmine. Sophia is about to run after him, and actually gets held back by Selena.
0: Yeah, and she's not trying to hurt Sophia. She's just like, look, he's already dead. What's done is done. Yeah, she's basically trying to save Sophia's life from this Mm -hmm. madman.
2: Mm Hmm. Yeah, she was continuously just trying to push out, but because you know she's such a hulk of a woman, Selena can only hold her back for so long, and she ends up breaking free. And falling out of the
1: window. And Selena and, tries to catch her. Yeah. And she
0: really does struggle. And it, it kind of is another moment of poetic justice because it sort of repeats the the image before of her dropping a man to his death. Right. And that's how she goes. The man
2: off the bridge. Mm-hmm. Now that Carmine's dead, Harvey feels like, all right, I did my job. The Maybe not the way I originally wanted to, but... You know, what's done is done. He left the coin, the scarred side of the coin, face up. So, you know, what's done is done. And he hands himself over. He's like, I did what I wanted to do. I I don't mind going to jail now. Which, again, it's that weird struggle that we see with Two-Face where sometimes he is a law-abiding citizen and sometimes he does, you know, go a little anarchy. Mm -hmm. So he gives himself up. And his final statement is that there were two holiday killers.
0: Yeah, he kind of throws it in at the last minute. Like, oh, by the Mm -hmm. way, did you guys know? Yeah.
2: And Batman's, like, shocked by this. Uh, He says to Jim that Harvey was the second holiday killer because he killed Carmine on Halloween night. So we started with a holiday killer, and we ended with a holiday killer because Alberto was already locked up. So now we cut to Thanksgiving. Both Calendar Man and Alberto... Are across from each other just shouting holiday names at each other <laughs> like which insults is,
1: which is hilarious <laughs> yet so odd
2: it is so odd because alberto was pretty like calm cool and collected and now after like a month in arkham he seems like he definitely belongs in there so we cut to that we cut to a silent panel of harvey just kind of sitting and looking up at the at the glass because he is also now in Arkham Asylum.
1: Yep. He's like in a straitjacket and everything. Yeah. He does say Gilda. He yes, does say his wife's true
2: says Gilda, which we then cut to on Christmas Eve because she's packing up the house. They already couldn't afford to live there, let alone now that her husband's not in the picture to help pay for the house, she has to move. As she's doing this, she goes down to that same basement And you're cutting to the furnace, her just throwing some trash in there, and she just starts talking about, you know, her husband, and next thing you know, you see a hat get thrown in there, and then you see a trench coat get thrown in there, and then she admits that she was actually the holiday killer.
0: She gives a nice summation of how she did it and why, Mm -hmm. and really she just wanted her husband to come home.
2: Pretty much. She wore Harvey's hat and his coat as a disguise and left a couple of them at the scene, which is why she, she's now burning the evidence. She apparently left the hospital on Thanksgiving while Harvey slept, and she also did the same thing on Christmas Eve. And she also says that she was planning to kill Alberto, but Harvey beat her to it because when he returned home and she said that her his hair was all wet even though he had a hat on...
0: Mm-hmm showed her that he was thinking the same as her and she was like, you know, we might not have a baby together, but we have a kind of a baby because it's a secret that we both get to share.
2: Exactly. Which is such a and bummer. And i like, how you picked up where I left off.
0: But it, they set her up as like, she's so sweet. She's always wearing very young outfits. She has those big glossy eyes and she just seems mm-hmm. so lost in the woods. And then, you know... <laughs> It's literally the last person you'd expect.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. And it and the very last line in the book is Gilda looking up and saying, I believe in Harvey Dent.
1: Mm-hmm. And This is when it. I became so confused. Yeah. Ah, because what about the coroner and Alberto's aunt? Isn't that Alberto? Isn't yes. there technically three killers, even though... Harvey said there were there was
0: two. I think Harvey actually does believe that Gilda did it all. Or uh, you know what? Maybe he didn't know, and maybe that that was just kind of like him thinking about Gilda at the end, and maybe and she's just actually a cold blooded killer that nobody thought of.
2: Maybe
1: maybe because throughout most of her interactions, mainly they were either with Harvey and her just kind of whimpering in yeah. a way, like. You're never home. I want to start a family. Bloody, bloody blada. Or she's confiding in Barbara, I was just gonna asking say. her, and you you feel sympathy for this woman because Barbara's trying to help her, and she's kind of also lost for words. She mm-hmm. doesn't know how to help her because, yeah, Jim a lot of times isn't home, but he at least you see there is some foiling aspects a lot with a lot of these holidays between Harvey and Gordon. Yeah. Because despite everything, Gordon's always there for his wife and his son. Mm-hmm. Like he was being the devoted father like oh look at my son mm-hmm. look what the beautiful gift my wife made me with my son's handprints that's so cute like i'm aware of he this. does fail he
0: they both fail at different points but it's how they they yes. act when they do fail yes that's yeah. interesting because he's very cold to gilda like he's yes. he does things like he buys her things he's
1: trying to make up for it with just, yes. like he, right.
0: The thing about his gift that was so irritating was he buys her this cottage. It's so cute. It so fits her. But he sell, tells her to her face, it's expensive, so I'm going to have to spend more time at the office away from you, yeah. <laughs> which is the exact mm-hmm. opposite of what she wanted.
1: Mm-hmm. While I know at one point, like early on, I think it was like issue, I think it was even issue one, we see Jim not being like, oh, I'm tired from work. I'm just going to go lay the TV he's helping out in the kitchen, like, yeah. like around dinner, like, he's either making dinner, he's doing the dishes. So, like, he's involved. Like, a lot of times, yeah, he messed up for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. he wasn't there. But I think Barbara forgives him for a lot of these things, mm-hmm. because usually it's because work pulls him away, and yeah. not because he's trying to overwork himself, exactly. like Dent is overworking himself. Like, his stupid assistant said, Mr. Dent, you've been working overtime every night Mm -hmm. and Harvey doesn't have to. Harvey can go home and go be with Gilda. But he's obsessed.
2: Right and that's what Gilda actually says to Barbara in one of those confining moments where it's like you know Harvey used to be the golden boy of the GCPD. He was known as Apollo throughout the office just because of how he shined in the courtroom Mm -hmm. and ever since this Falcone case it's just been eating up at him. He's become obsessed with this case. I never see him anymore like I don't know what's becoming of him
0: the choices he makes even after he starts to like decline probably even before he he definitely puts himself above his wife like he is his own golden boy like he takes care of his wife he does what he should by her but he won't give her anything more than that Mm -hmm. and it's kind of disgusting because people are like even his Batman he's like trying to get him he's like you know, you, you wanted to start a family, you had a wife you loved, and he's just kind of like, yeah, but I want to yeah. kill this guy more, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm not going to find help. I don't want to get better for my wife. I want to do my thing. I am the important one. And that vendetta became, like, his only passion. Another thing I want to bring up about the two, um, the two holiday killers is that everything in this book is not in twos. Sure, no. Harvey Dennis twos, but everything in this book is in threes. So I think it does fit with the theme. Even if Harvey couldn't see the bigger picture, like we get to see mm. everything repeated three times. So it makes sense that there are actually three killers. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was a lot.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> but it was a whole series, and I think it does have enough twists and turns. It's just a lot to pick from.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't think you're going to be able to get through every rogue. I think you could cut out a good chunk of the Scarecrow and Mad Hatter portions Mm -hmm. if you're going to make a a movie out of it. Like, get rid of those hacks.
1: Yeah, get rid of that. And one thing that I feel like also could have been removed, this is a mild little nitpick, but every issue when they would, like, say, show uh, Falcone, they would introduce him with the title and Mm -hmm. the same sentence blurb, every single time why did we need this when clearly this is one of those stories you can't just jump into in the middle like this is it's different than Mm. normal serialized comics where like okay yeah if you jump in at say like issue 102 of batman you're gonna be confused but it's fine for them to reference things but this i feel is more like how a book Mm story is like it's like repeating the same character's title every chapter (laughs) i
2: don't know because i feel like because it was a new holiday every issue it wasn't like a repeat of a holiday or anything and so i feel like you still could have just kind of jumped in whenever because it wasn't just giving the description of like who everybody was batman also gave the monologue of there's been this person known as the holiday killer that has been killing somebody on every single holiday. So he's always jumping you into the story. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, they're doing their best. I feel like it's something
2: that you could have picked up. I feel like it wouldn't have made as much sense in the later issues of the series, but I feel like pretty early on, like it was okay to be a little bit repetitive with that.
0: You make a good point because when I was reading it, I didn't even notice, like I didn't (laughs) even think of it like, oh, someone's gonna pick this up in the middle. Like it didn't even occur to me. I was just like, "Uh, that's called not trusting your artist. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but at the same time, I did think that, like, oh, wait, a lot of these characters look so ridiculously similar that it's hard to tell them apart because mm-hmm. of uh, mm-hmm. the art style. So maybe that's also why. <laughs> that too.
0: That is one of the things about the rogues that makes them so, such a, such a godsend, really, for anyone in comics. <laughs> like, they're just all such different silhouettes, different yeah. colors. And he really pushed those silhouettes, like we get some real interesting shapes from these characters. Mm -hmm. Like Scarecrow, maybe he didn't look scary, maybe his fingers weren't needles, but he definitely had a very distinctive shape and look, and so did, Mm -hmm. you know, the Mad Hatter. So did everyone. Everyone was interesting. Overall, I think it's just an amazing story. I think it's fun. It might not be as Halloween themed as some of us had hoped. But I think that it definitely had a unique angle, and I really liked mm-hmm. the execution.
2: It was good. I'm still, like, I don't know, that the, like, the ending, the ending, I, I would call it more like the epilogue. Like, I wasn't much of a fan of it. I I don't know. I, I like the story. I do. I still wouldn't really put this as, like, one of the top Batman stories out there.
0: I'd put it in the top 20. Eh, top 50 for I'd sure. I'd say
1: it's definitely... Up There is one of the better stories, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't say it's, like, in the top
2: five. No. No.
1: Top 25, yes. Yes,
2: top 25, definitely not top 10. I would still put Nightfall above this.
1: Yes, I definitely would agree with you Mm. on that one.
0: Sure. Yeah, I mean, Nightfall's iconic. Yeah. We can't all be Nightfall. (laughs) 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 This one was another just, it's a perfect... Uh, introduction to the rogues gallery honestly it's oh yeah it's the whole smattering of characters they're given enough screen time nothing feels terribly rushed it doesn't lag too much
2: it's definitely a good batman book where you can just you can pick it up you can go right through it you don't need to know anything else because it's all slightly explained to you Mm -hmm. just enough that you can keep it going
1: yeah
2: definitely
0: very emotional well (laughs) So I am so glad we got to talk about that because I needed the refresher, honestly, and I was not going to reread this for my own benefit. So I am looking forward to making a bingo card for this upcoming <laughs> film. I'm really excited about this film now. I want to see know, how it turns me too. out.
2: I mean, it's already different in the fact that Penguin is having a much bigger role in that movie yep. than he did in this story.
0: Well, you mean bigger than Zero? Zero.
2: Yeah. I mean, he showed up for the fight in Carmine's office and that was it.
0: (laughs) He had no business being in this book.
2: That's what I'm saying. It's already different from the book.
0: Well, they're not going to put Jarvis in. I will bet you $20.
2: The only thing I can think of is that if they do want to include all the rogues and they can make references in a movie, they'll put the rest of the rogues in the TV show.
0: Smart, yes. That's supposed to
2: be coming out for HBO Uh, Max. yep. Because that's supposed to be taking place the year before this Oh my
0: gosh, it's going to introduce so much about Carmen Falcone and and it's Mm going to introduce so much about Maroni, And I bet they're going to correct all of their Godfather references. He's going to be telling his own mobster story and it's going to be top shelf. I really hope so. Alright, that's enough of that. That's all we have to say. It's not, but we need to go to bed. (laughs) I hope that you enjoyed this episode as always. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, at Court of Owlets. Let us know which comic you want us to cover next week, and make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, or anywhere else you may listen to your podcast. Happy Halloween. Take care.